Hello, and welcome to our podcast here at Discovery Point Church. Thank you for joining us today. We pray this message inspires you and is the beginning of a life-changing relationship with Jesus. This weekend, we're talking about think on these things. Think on these things. Let's pray. Father, as we take the moment to engage the scriptures, we take a deep breath, open our hearts to receive what you have for us. Let us intentionally lean in to receive your word. May it be planted deep within our spirit. May it bring forth fruit, fruit of the kingdom that you are honored and glorified through our lives. In Jesus' name we pray this. Amen and amen. Think about these things. Well, I have something here in front of me. You have one as well. Uh, you carry it around quite often, I'm guessing. I got mine on Amazon. That may explain a few things. But this is nothing more than a model of a human brain. You know, the human brain weighs around three pounds. Uh, it is fully developed generally around the age of 25, uh, which answers a lot of questions. We know that the human brain is about 70% water. So stay hydrated, kids. Stay hydrated. I go to the doctor. I don't feel well. The first thing that my doctor often asks is, are you staying hydrated? And I often think, what does that have to do with anything with this conversation, why I'm here? So it's 70% water, so stay hydrated. Our brains have close to 100,000 miles of blood vessels. 100,000 miles of blood vessels. Recent research suggests that our brains, every 24 hours, that our brains have some 6,200 thoughts. And you were wondering, is there a thought in that head? 62 hundred thoughts every 24 hours, give or take a few. So that means that about every hour, you have about 258 thoughts, or by the time that we are done with this message, you will have had 520 thoughts. I'm just kidding. Every minute, you and I have about 4.3 thoughts. The brain is amazing, isn't it? Let me ask you this. What is your favorite dessert? What, what is your, your favorite dessert, the dessert that when you think about dessert, you initially go to, oh, that's my favorite. And it could be for various reasons, right? It could be a dessert, quite frankly, that you just, it just tastes well. I mean, it's, it's great. It's the flavor, it's, it's a cookie, it's a crumble cookie. It's, uh, it's a Dunkin' Donut. Uh, it's a special kind of cake. For me, I, I like a, a very well-done tiramisu. I'm that way, just keeping it classy. I mean, what is your favorite dessert? If, if I ask you that question, I want you to think just for a moment. You're like, okay, Pastor, when, when it comes dessert time and I have options or I'm calling the shots, this is my favorite dessert. Sometimes it's a favorite because... You don't get it very often. Or 
It's your favorite so much that you have that ice cream every evening before you go to bed. Maybe your favorite dessert is, is tied to, to, to a gathering or to a person or, or to something special in your life, and that's what makes it special. But, but you probably have a favorite dessert, correct? Sure you do. You know what's interesting about that question is this. The, the first thing that's interesting about the question is that, is that our brain, your brain, has the ability, has the ability to intentionally de decide, hey, this is my favorite at least for this week. Your brain has the capacity, right? How many of you in the room watching online, when I said, what's your favorite dessert, how many of you began to think and, and your brain engaged in a thought and you came up with something? Did, did you come up with something? Sure you did. Isn't that interesting how the brain will do that? Well, we can, we, we can think and we can intentionally control what our brain thinks about. But here's another thought, is that you not only led your brain into thinking what's my favorite dessert, but I also let in the thinking of what is your favorite dessert. Paul in Romans chapter 8, verses 5 through 8, he, he engages this element of the mind. Now, now, Paul is dealing with two groups of people. We saw that in Romans chapter uh, 1, uh, Romans chapter 8, verse 4. He, he, he's engaging two groups of people. So, for example, in Romans 8, verse 4, let me just go back and read this to identify these two groups. Paul says that in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fully met in us, those who do not live according to the sinful nature, but according to the Spirit. So, we see Paul identify two different groups of people, right? Those who live according to the sinful nature and then the other group who live according to the Spirit. So as we read the next portion of Scripture, just let those two groups of people just kind of flow into the conversation this weekend around think on these things. So in Romans chapter 8, beginning in verse 5, please read with me. The Scripture says that those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set on what that, that, that nature desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind of sinful man is death, but the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. The sinful man is hostile to God. The sinful mind is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those controlled by the sinful nature cannot please God. Verse 5, Paul talks about the characteristics of one's mind. Notice that, the, the characteristics, and, and, and in that one verse, he mentions that there are these characteristics, and, and I think he wants us to understand. He wants us to understand that the character of our lives, the character of our lives often reflects the content of our thoughts. Let me say that again. The character of our lives often reflects the content of our thoughts. Our lives, and to some degree, are like the spiritual mirror of what we are thinking in our minds. The characteristics, the characteristics of how we think, of one's mindset. To know who we are spiritually, we must ask ourselves, well, what do I think about? What do I think about? 
Notice the connection between what Paul makes between what we think about our thoughts and the characteristics that is produced in our lives. Then he goes on in verses 6 through 8, and he talks about the consequences of one's mindset. Now, in the passage, Paul mentions the mind in the NIV five times just in this passage. Four verses, he mentions it five times. Now, this Greek word here, when he, when he refers to mindset, he's talking about the Greek word phrorema. Phrorema means mind. Now, it's more than just a thought. So when I said, hey, think about your favorite dessert, you had a thought. This word goes deeper than that. It brings in other elements of our lives. It brings in things like our will, our affection, our conscience, our intentions, and our purpose. So it's a broad word that means, oh, this is my favorite dessert, and then we move on. It's actually connected to our intentionality and our purpose. And so five times Paul mentions that word in the passage as a characteristic of our mindset, and then notice the consequences that he lists. He lists consequences for both groups, does he not? Now notice, so Paul talks about those who live according to the sinful nature. In the passage, he lists four consequences for those who live according to the sinful nature. And I would say it's those people who are apart from Christ. Remember in, in chapter 8, verses 1 through 4, he talked about being in Christ. I think now he's referencing those people who live according to the sinful nature are those who are apart, who are apart from Christ. The first thing he says is that uh, one of the consequences is death. It's the Greek word thanatos, separation. One of, one of the consequences of that, of that sinful nature, that mindset, those apart from Christ, quite obviously the scripture is very clear, is death. Then he mentions a second consequence, and he says they are hostile. They, they are hostile to God. It's a very intense word, and, and it means hostility. Uh, it, it means a, a budding of the, of the head and the will, if you will. So he says they are dead. They are hostile. And then the third thing that he says is they are unsubmissive to God's law. They don't care about God's law. It doesn't interest them. They have no intentionality, no purpose to live by God's law. And the last thing that he says about them, notice there in verse 8, it says that they are unable, they cannot please him. Wow, that's quite a list, isn't it? When you think about people who who are apart from Christ, who've never met Christ, who are not in Christ. They are dominated by a mindset of the sinful nature. The consequence of that life, according to Paul, is that they are dead, they are hostile, they cannot submit, and they will not surrender to please God. But notice that he also talks about those who are in Christ, those whose mind is controlled by the Spirit. He gives two consequences of that life. First of all, he says it is they are life. It, 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 it talks about life. Now, in the New Testament, two words for life. One is zoe, one is bios. Bios is, is the manner of living, right? In Tucson, we have a biosphere. How many of you have, you have been to the biosphere? Anybody been to the biosphere? Yeah, it's a biosphere. Biosphere is the manner of life, it's the business of life, it's the matter of living. That's bios. Here in the passage, Paul uses a different word, uh, zoe, and, and it's not the manner of life, it, it, it's not the business of life. It, it is a life that has been animated by the Holy Spirit. A life that was dead has been brought back to life, a life that is living, and quite frankly, oftentimes in the New Testament. 
This word refers to eternal life. So one of the consequences of those who are, who, whose mind is controlled by the Spirit, their mindset are upon the things of the Spirit, is that they receive life. Second thing he says, it is there is peace with this life also. The Greek word irenate. It means peace with God, right? Peace with self and peace with those around us. This is what this word means. Think about this. Peace with God, peace with self, and with peace with those around us. The, the, this word carries this idea of, of tranquility, of well-being, and of harmony. So right here in these, in these four verses, Paul talks about the characteristics, right, of this life according to the flesh or a life according to the Spirit. And then he talks about the consequences of this life and our mindset and how we live according to the Spirit and or the sinful nature. Now, let me give you a couple takeaways. Let me ask you this question. I want to talk to believers just to end our, our conversation. Are believers, are we helpless victims to our thoughts? When, when, are, we, are, are we helpless victims to our thoughts? Are we, are we at the mercy of our mind? Because I, I meet people a lot who feel like that they believe in Jesus, but they're like, hey, my mind, I'm at the mercy of the thoughts that enter into this mind. Every day, 6,200 thoughts. That's a lot of thinking. I didn't know I thought that much. I'm pretty sure I don't, right? I think there's a lot of thoughts coming into my mind that I'm not even thinking about. 6,200. And so are, are we captive? Are we at the mercy of our thoughts? Here's what I want to leave you with and encourage you with this weekend. We are not just at the mercy of our mind. We have this amazing resource uh, that I want to share with you. There's two things I want to share with you before we leave uh, our conversation. Number one, number one, is that believers have the mind of Christ. Believers have the mind of Christ. Look at what the scripture says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, 15 and 16. Paul says that the spiritual man makes judgment about all things, but he himself is not subject to any man's judgment. Notice what he goes on to say. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him. Look at that. Who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him. This is a passage where Paul is quoting out of, out of Isaiah. Notice the answer to the question. But we have the mind of Christ. Isn't that encouraging? Isn't that something that we can, we can take and we can get our arms around and, and, no pun intended, get our mind around and believe that we have the mind of Christ? The idea is that, is that believers, true believers, have the capacity to understand the mind of Christ through the work of the Spirit and the written Word. We, we have the ability to, to understand we have the capacity to understand the mind of Christ through the Holy Spirit and through the written scriptures. Have you ever known someone so well that in a conversation, maybe you looked at them or they looked at you and one of you said, oh, I know what you're thinking. You ever had that conversation with someone? You're like, oh, I know what you're thinking. Could have been around the dessert conversation, right? 
when you gracefully said, oh, no dessert this evening, but you weren't thinking that. And somebody at the table thought, ah, you said it, but you're thinking something totally different. So to think about this as a believer is that we have the mind of Christ. Essentially what we're saying is I know what he is thinking. I know what Jesus is thinking. It's this ability to, to understand we have the mind of Christ, the ability to understand the thoughts of Jesus Christ. Now, couple that. Let me couple that with the second principle. And that is this. We are told to take every thought captive. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 4 through 5. This is what the scripture says. The weapons we fight are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish, to demolish strongholds. Look at what he says in verse 5. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. Here it is. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. So we not only have the mind of Christ, that the scripture is exhorting us to take every thought captive. For every thought that comes into your mind, right? Every thought that you have, to take that thought, place it under the microscope of the mind of Jesus Christ, and ask yourself, what would he think about that thought? It's the mind of Christ in action as we captivate the thoughts that come in to our head. So let, let's bring this down in, in a practical level. Let's say that a lot of your thought life has to do with worry. Let, let's just say that like you worry. I have a PhD in worry. Anybody else? I'm pretty, pretty good at it. I'm pretty good at it. I'm an elite worrier at times. And I think to some degree we all are. So let, let's take that thought that comes into my mind and, and the thought is, oh, you should worry about that. I didn't even know I shouldn't worry about it until the thought said, you should worry about that. Now, what do I do with that thought? It enters my mind. Scripture says I have the mind of Christ. How do I take that thought captive and place it under the obedience of Christ? I go to the Word of God, correct? Jesus has said in the Sermon on the Mount, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, what you will drink. He basically said, worry adds nothing to our lives. Actually, worry subtracts from our lives. I know what Jesus thinks by what he's already said. Does that make sense? We know what people think by the way they speak. So I know what Jesus has already said about worry in the scriptures, it's his thought process. And as I, as I captivate that thought, I bring it under the obedience of Christ. I bring it before him because I know what he's already said about worry, what he's already said about fear, what he's already said about lust, what, he, what he's already said about anger, what he's already said about unforgiveness. There are so many things in the scripture that I know what Jesus has already said about it. Therefore, I take that thought captive and I bring it into obedience unto him. Does that make sense? Let's suppose, let's suppose that, that you want to take a moment and you want to give somebody a piece of, of your mind, right? You're like, I'm going to give them a piece of my mind. I'm going to give them a piece. And they've done something to you. They've angered you. They've wronged you. They've hurt you. 
I don't think I'll be able to get this back together as it was. But you're, you say, the next chance I get, in fact, why don't I just do it now? I'll call them, or when I see them, I, I, I'm going to give them a, a, a piece of my mind. Now, we've all said that, right? I, I, I'm going I'm to tell them what I think about that or think about them. Or Let me encourage you to take that thought captive. Okay, to Take it captive right? And, and I'm talking primarily here about uh, thoughts that are destructive, right? Thoughts that are, so, so take that thought captive. As I take that thought captive, it, it's as if the scripture teaches it, it's okay to share with them, right? I'm going to be soft with that. It's okay to share. In fact, the scripture says, speak the truth, but do it in love. Instead of anger, instead of resentment, instead of just flying off the handle. Maybe, maybe you need to have the conversation, but before you have the conversation, take the thought captive that, that I need to have this difficult conversation, but do so in the light of God's word and the mind of Christ. And as you understand the mind of Christ, you're able to have the conversation in, an, in, 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 in a way that that thought has been captivated and brought into the obedience with Christ. And as you give them a piece of your mind, you do so in love. Speak the truth in love. Take every thought captive. Capture it. Interrogate it. Don't allow the destructive thoughts. Do not allow the destructive thoughts to cultivate in your mind. Capture it. And once you capture it, interrogate it. We have the authority. Capture the thought. Bring it to Christ. Believers have the mind of Christ. Man, I want you to hear that. Believers have the mind of Christ, and we are to take every thought captive. I'll end it with an example in 2 Samuel chapter 11. It's the story of David and Bathsheba. You may be somewhat familiar with the story, but in the story, some things are happening, and, and, and so, for example, in 2 Samuel chapter 11, verse 1, the scripture says, in the spring, at the time when the kings go off to war. David didn't go off to war. David's a king. So David isn't where he should be. How many times in our lives have, have, have thoughts entered into our, our spirit simply because we were not where we should have been. David, generally, is to go off to war. He's a king. But, but you kind of know the story. Verse 2, one evening, David got up from his bed. He walked around the roof of the palace. From the roof, the scripture says that he saw a woman bathing. Then the scripture gives us a little more detail about the woman. The scripture says there in, in verse 2 that the woman was very beautiful. Verse 3, and David sent someone to find out about her. There it is. David sees. David doesn't capture, but David sends someone to find out about her. David doesn't capture the thought but he lets the destructive thought cultivate in his mind. Does that make sense? This is so important. This is so important. Is that we as followers of Christ 
we can either captivate those destructive thoughts. Also, we may need to captivate some good thoughts, right? Somebody may, may say something wonderful about us and we're like, well, yeah, they're exactly right. I am all that in a bag of chips. And then that turns into something, right? So I want to be careful here, but I'm talking primarily about, about thoughts that lead us away from, from God's ultimate plan and purpose for our lives. And so, so we can either capture that thought or we can let that thought cultivate and cultivate and cultivate. Here's what I know. We either take our thoughts captive or we will become captives of our thoughts. We either take it captive or we become captives of our thoughts. A cultivated thought will eventually become a committed action. I want to end it with Philippians chapter 4 verse 8. A beautiful verse, of course, Paul writing this too. If you're not sure, what do I do with my mind? What, what, what do I do with this three pounds that's mainly water? What do I do with it? Notice what Paul tells us to do in Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. He says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, won't you say that with me, will you? If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Paul says there's two ways that we live according to. We either live according to our sinful nature that's based on a, on a sinful fleshly mindset. Or people who are in Christ live according, think according. Their thoughts are centered around the things of the Spirit. And they guard their mind, knowing they have the mind of Christ, and knowing that they are to take every thought captive. Let me pray for you before we have our communion time together. Father, we thank you for your word. I pray tonight that your Spirit, touches our thoughts, our minds. And Lord, that you are reminding us we have the mind of Christ. And then, Lord, you instruct us to take every thought captive, bring it under obedience into the person of Christ. Father, that as we capture it, if it's a destructive thought, that we do not cultivate it, but we dismiss it under the authority of Jesus. Father, help our thoughts to be thinking about things that are excellent and praiseworthy, that you are honored in our thoughts, that you are honored in our character. Father, we pray that you are blessed. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you so much for joining us on our podcast today. We pray you allow this message to transform you to take what you learned and share the love of Jesus to those around you. You can stay informed and connected by following Discovery Point Church on all social media platforms. Thank you and God bless you.
Thank you so much for joining us on our podcast today. We pray you allow this message to transform you to take what you learned and share the love of Jesus to those around you. You can stay informed and connected by following Discovery Point Church on all social media platforms. Thank you and God bless you. Thank you so much for joining us on our podcast today. 
We pray you allow this message to transform you to take what you learned and share the love of Jesus to those around you. You can stay informed and connected by following Discovery Point Church on all social media platforms. Thank you and God bless you. Thank you so much for joining us on our podcast today. We pray you allow this message to transform you to take what you learned and share the love of Jesus to those around you. You can stay informed and connected by following Discovery Point Church on all social media platforms. Thank you and God bless you.